Welcome in. According to sources, you got my guys, man, my wing players running this three-man weave. You got my guy Chris Kaysen at C4 Dunk and my guy, the infamous one, especially on Twitter, B underscore crawl 4D. Today we're going to be talking about the Chicago Bulls. They have hired a brand new VP. Uh, John Paxson is now a senior consultant. And uh, Gar Foreman has been given his walking papers, man, surprising to, surprisingly to some people. But Arturis, mm -hmm. let me make sure I get his, uh, his name because I've heard Carsonovis and all types of different uh, pronunciations and enunciations. But Arturis Karnishevis, yeah. is that correct? Arturis Karnishevis, I believe. As, uh, that, as Billy Packer would say back in 93, when he was playing for Seton Hall, I believe that's what uh, Billy Packer called him on CBS when he's playing in the NCAA tournament. And I believe that was the correct pronunciation given today when he spoke to the media. Uh, one of the most interesting things that I want you guys to touch on first is... going to call him uh, AK-47. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He said that uh, he had spoken with Jim Boylan and uh, I guess had a conversation about the style of play moving forward. Uh, are you guys surprised to see that he might be willing to stay with Jim Boylan as the head coach? I would hope not. You know? Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, I would, you know, I would hope not, man. Like, I've been, I've been kind of, like, holding out any type of comment until I see the coaching move. Like, I don't really, I mean, the, for them to change the front office is cool, but, I mean, I think every, all of the important stuff happens. So, I'm just kind of waiting until, the, until I see what happens with the coach, but I think, if they thinking about keeping boiling, man, I can't. I can't get all in on this. On this. On this upheaval, I can't. Do oh, it. Well, I think it's just more so as, all right, you're the guy that's currently in place. I'm gonna do my due diligence. I'm gonna give you, you know, an opportunity to see what you got. But I'm pretty sure, you know, with him coming in and already making some of the changes that he has, he probably has you know, an idea of what you would like to see. That's why I think the talk about the style of the play was so important because I'm pretty sure he has an idea of how he wants to play and he's just like talking to Boylan, getting his philosophies and getting those across. But I do think that just the changes to the front office are uh, it's a very big deal to two decades you had you know a regime basically that had lost trust within a lot of executives around the league and now you actually have people that helps with agents they that helps with free agents because there's no reason why like in two decades I'll, uh, what you can go back to like Ron Mercer, Brad Miller, like those are, I think it's a large step. The coaching situation, I, I don't see Boylan staying on. Pat, 
um, elect to go a different way, you know, whenever there's a true off season in play, but I don't look at this talk as like anything that is good or bad for Boylan. Cause I think at the end, uh, this guy has an idea of what he wants and who he wants in place. Well, man, when you think about that, um, Jim Boylan to me, man, is the first person that should have been let go in my opinion if you were going to come in and really make a clean move, in my opinion, that's just based upon what we know the locker room and how those players have felt about him before everything was shut down. Even from afar, you know, Arturo should have been able to see like, man, this locker room chemistry and the players not vibing with him. This is not a good thing. And why not let him go right now? You don't need a coach. The season might not even start back up. So right now, you might as well go ahead and just clear the, clear the decks, get everybody in there that you want. Maybe that's one of the things that he talked about. Uh, he knew he wanted to get to be done with Gar Foreman. He said they disagreed on philosophy, which is funny to me. I mean, what's your philosophy? Build and his is destroy. I mean, is that the, is that the difference? But as far as Jim Boylan, maybe just having the one-year contract, the one year left on his contract, maybe that was something that he was willing to hold on to and just deal with. And if he, want, if he feels he needs to make a change over the offseason, he can still do that because there's only one year left on the contract. So he was in no rush to really deal with that situation as of right now. And if the season does start back up, you know, they can just play out. Well, yeah, and, and – and. Yeah, and don't forget, like, they haven't even, you know, announced, like, the new general manager yet. So, this right. guy's just, like, yeah. So, I think once you get, you know, the GM situated, he'll have a, an opportunity to evaluate Boiling, like, up close, and then you can go on from there. I just think that it's way too early in the process yet to just go ahead and fire a coach, especially with uncertainty going on especially in the rest of the league you don't know what coaches are available just yet I mean there's still coaches that can be fired at some point so you just basically just take your time there's no rush really for anybody wait right so now. uh Boylan only got one year left I thought he signed an extension say the NBC yeah I think the extension was only for I think the extension was only for uh two two years if yeah. I Right, yeah. So he's on his way out anyway. Right. Yeah. All right, so moving forward from that, with all the moves that are being made, I want to talk about this Mark Spears. Very interesting dialogue we saw all weekend for the last three or four days when Mark Spears wrote the article, The Undefeated, just as the Bulls started their search for their new VP. Uh, the lack of diversity in the interviews, uh, once the article came out, the Bulls, through their beat reporters, did lay out that they had reached out to several black executives for interviews. Uh, some of those declined. Uh, some of those actually had an initial interview and then declined the second round of the interviews because they felt like it was a token interview. Uh, Nazi Muhammad supposedly was also interviewed for the position. So, I know it was built around what the Bulls were doing right then, but the larger thing, the larger noise or the larger issue is that there still is a problem league-wide when it comes to minority and specifically black executives getting a real shot 
at running NBA franchises and running NBA teams. In your opinion, it, it's so funny because it reminded me of someone doing something that could be, be considered prejudicial or racial. And as, as soon as they are confronted about what they've done or said, they start to point out either how many black friends they have or how many times they've done something for black people or to help black people. And it seems like that's what Bulls fans and the Bulls automatically tried to do by saying, well, man, you know, we have Bill Cartwright as a head coach. And, you know, we had B.J. Armstrong in our front office. And we had Kenny Williams on the White Sox side. And we hired Ozzie Guillen as a head coach. It's like, dude, those are all company men. Those are all men that answer to you, have played for you, and you are comfortable bringing in because you know they're not going to tell you anything different than what you want to do. So what are your thoughts about the article? And then do you think the Bulls situation was handled correctly as far as involving or being more diverse during the, inter, uh, the interview process? Well, I mean, you know, in the NBA, there's no Rooney rule, right? So they don't really right. have to do anything. Right, know? right. But, you know, when you got a league that's like 80, 90% black, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and you got a lot of ex-players who know the game, you know, who know the business, you know, you would think that if an organization, particularly like the Bulls, who has been painted as being like out of touch for like so many years, I think I've seen something uh, where Michael Reinsdorf had an interview basically saying it hurt him that the Bulls was considered to be a racist organization. And I'm not saying that they're a racist organization, but what I am saying is that, you know, you would think that for a team and a franchise as iconic as that, you know, to have lost out on so many players because, you know, the behind the scenes talk about how they move and how they do business is not lost on anybody. And, you know, you would think that they would try to get somebody more relatable in there to those players to be there, to be able to attract those free agents, to be able to build a rapport with current players. So like maybe they could, you know, do that. Um, I mean, as far as them hiring, uh, what was his name? J.J. Polk yeah. from uh, New yeah. Orleans, something like that. The only thing that was disingenuous about me was the fact that, yeah, you know, the fact that they announced it first. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're going to do it, just do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need, you know, the new executive vice president of basketball ops or whatever to say, yeah, we're going to hire a person of color. Right. Like, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's no... It feels kind of this. We've been kind of listening to the chat or whatever, so this is what we might need to do, which to me signals y'all weren't really trying to do it anyway, but you feel like you kind of have to because of the backlash and the feedback that you've gotten. So, I mean, I mean I'm glad that the brother got the job. Don't, like, don't get me wrong, but, you know, if you're going to make those moves with sincerity and, you know, and, 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 you know, out of the fact that that is the best person qualified for the job and not necessarily saying, like, we got to put this particular face in that slot, then, you know, I think it makes all of the difference. So, I mean, like I said, I'm glad he got the job, but they just didn't have to announce it. If he was going to do it, he should just did it. Uh, yeah, well, going back to Spears' article, I mean, this stuff that's been around uh, the league for, I mean, well over a decade now. So, I mean, when I saw Ryan Storff's comment, like, you know, he couldn't believe that, you know, BC just spoke to them being out of touch. I was like, how could you not hear the rumblings about this organization for as long as they've, they've been around? And, 
you know, act appalled, you know, that he like read this stuff. I mean, lot, lot, I've heard this stuff for years now, so I'm pretty sure as high up as he is, he's heard the same thing, or it's at least been, you know, intimated to him by at least some back channel, at least. But I think, you know, just, it's still so early, um, just with this current regime, but I do think it kind of helps get like the bad taste of a lot of years of like just, you know, wanting more, um, you know, at least for Bulls fans, it helps get, wash that taste out because, you know, going back to, you know, Michael Jordan and how he was treated, you know, by, by Krauss, this is like the reputation this organization, uh, specifically the front office has garnered. So to act surprised that, you know, that's what you guys are known for is kind of like ridiculous to me. But I think now um, they're starting over from scratch, you know, you know, basically like, like he had um, just watching him the last few years. It looks like he had just gotten worn down just about all the, the negativity that, you know, it was basically just, it was becoming insurmountable about, you know, fans are booing at home games now. You got right. fans paying for billboards, fire guard pack. I mean, it just became too much now. So you, you really can't even do your job, you know, and like autonomy like you like. So I'm just glad that, you know, there's finally, there'll be some good energy around this uh, organization because it's been rough the last few years. I mean, and, you know, just being at games, it was only going to get worse. Like, yeah, you had less and less people showing up for games, more more empty red seats. So I think hopefully this will be, you know, a step in the right direction, at least just from a PR standpoint. But I do think this overall just helps a little bit of just their reputation league-wise as far as it goes with other executives, agents, but and which should potentially lead to free agents now given like a serious look at the Bulls. It's funny because you say that, you know, it's a, a different energy and a better energy around the organization and the team. And with that being said, I, this initially, of course, you react to this and you say, man, this is good. We're done with guard packs. We're definitely done with guard foreman with him being relieved of his duties today. But then you take a st step back and you have to be patiently optimistic because it's very similar, in my opinion, to like reading a script for a movie. And you're like, man, this is really dope. Okay, this could be good, but who's going to direct it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, sounds good, reads good, could end up being really dope and turn out to be a fantastic feature presentation. But who's really doing the directing? Like, who's really going to be behind the energy? You know, is the energy going to come from Michael Reinsdorf? Uh, is he going to be similar to what Rocky Wirtz did for the Chicago Blackhawks when he took over from his dad? Uh, Joe Cowley was on ESPN 1000 and quite frankly said, this is a Michael Reinsdorf presentation. Like, this is all him. Like, of course, his dad has the ultimate say. He is the boss. But this is his presentation. He's been given the ball to rock and roll. And let's see what he does. So I'm not sure. Will the energy really be that much different? Or will it just be like, okay, it's, it's something new. But we have to wait to see if it's really different. I mean, I think it's something new. 
Um, I mean, the front office has been in place for, what, 22 years? I think Garform has been the GM that long. Um, I mean, and so you, I mean, you basically starting from scratch with a guy that, you know, people might be more willing to work with, um, you know, a guy that has different ideas, you know, he has a different vision for the front office. And I think all of those things are good. You know what I'm saying? I, I think, I think the problem that we still have is, well, obviously guards out, Hacks to around, and even though he's not in, you know, official basketball, he's still a part of that franchise, yeah. you know, for whatever reason that may be. Um, you know, so to that end, you know, that part of it hasn't changed. But I just think, you know, just bringing in a new group of guys that people can talk to, you know, people can deal with a little bit better. And, you know, it, it may bring some new energy into that front office. I don't know, you know, and it might bring a new – energy to that team, you know, Chris spoke to it like, you know, for the past few years, like, man, it's been, it's been bad. It's been bad in there. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. like the morale is low. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The locker room is bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, and then really like, when you look at the personnel, it's just like a bunch of guys just thrown in there together. You know what I'm saying? That don't even work. So, right. I mean, you know, and I think that's another one of the changes too. I think they got to look at the roster as, as well as the coach, but, I think, you know, in terms of just bringing in this new blood and, and, and giving the front office a new identity is going to help them. I think the lines go kind of short, whatever. They've been paying attention. They've been listening to what people are, you know, people are a different story. But, you know, Michael Ryan's been around the team for a long time. You know, he has a reputation as being a fan of the game. So maybe that'll help. Um, but again, you know, we'll see. Like I said, I'm I'm really just waiting to see what they do with the coaching situation. And then from there, that's you know that'll tell it all. Yeah, I mean, and going back to what I said um, on like one of our earlier podcasts, just about Michael like being the one that you know as losses pile up throughout the course of a season, it can become a little bit like basically like clockwork and. You know, I would see Gar and Pax, not to say it didn't bother them at all, but I just saw them as, you know, just going through the motions almost at some point as if like, hey, you know, we're rebuilding. This is supposed to happen. And it was just basically like clockwork. And I looked at Michael Reinstorf. I would see him sometimes and he would be visibly frustrated. So I look at this situation as just his opportunity. All right, let's break up this brain trust. We'll have more diversity in terms of ideas actually in the front office the front office will be a lot larger now as opposed to how it was i think the bulls had one of the smallest like front offices in the league and now you actually have like a collection like a brain trust in there where you have a variety of ideas and different personalities different ways of thinking as opposed to two guys that have basically become conditioned to basically running things a certain way and they basically operated as almost in a, we don't care, you know, type of fashion. So uh, I'm excited to be honest. And I haven't been excited about Bulls basketball since damn near uh, 2010, basically. So I think any positive energy the Bulls can get, you know, you'll take it. But um, like BC said, you want to see what they do with the coaching situation, because once you bring in, you know, whoever in terms of bullying, because I, I don't see him lasting that much longer, but there's going to be like a new set of expectations now. Like, I don't think Bulls fans are just going to be, you have to basically give them something to like, 
like latch on to, you know, it just can't be, you know, this front office. I think they'll evaluate things, but I'm just anxious to see what some of the first set of moves that uh, fall into place after every they get all of their staff in place. Yeah, speaking of the roster, Arturis Karnishevis also said today, which was surprising to some, that he feels like uh, Gar Foreman and John Paxson have done a great job at drafting based upon the talent that he sees on the roster and how he's going to uh, focus more on player development because that's really where the ball has been dropped in the organization. Um, BC, I know you said you look at the roster and it feels like stuff, things are just thrown together. Uh, I was never C4. You were patiently optimistic about the move. I was never a big fan of the Otto Porter trade at that point. I just felt like it was no need for it. Uh, save your cap space. He was off injured in Washington. He's been off injured here in Chicago, and he's definitely going to opt in to that that twenty plus million uh, next year. So that's less cap room. You save your cap space, space. Buddha. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you ain't you ain't got to spend on auto border. Though. Yeah, but think about it. Like, who think? Would you rather like a guy that's got like two years of that left as opposed to just throwing that money into like three three other dudes? It, it no, really no, no. Doesn't, I'm not. I'm it not really even, didn't matter for it. It kind of mattered. I'm not even going that, that far bad, down sorry. the road. I just felt like it was a bad move mm. at the time. I mean, if you're rebuilding. Yeah. and rebuild it's like don't just rebuild just be honest about it and rebuild you were coming off you were coming off the d-way move yeah, that didn't work out bobby porters. the bobby porters you had uh jimmy butler being traded the point you were at man i just didn't think the auto porter uh trade made much sense for the direction that you were going in chris i know you've been uh in touch or have had previous conversations with one Laurie Markman. And based upon the moves and the change of the energy, uh, one would hope when it comes to player development, he would be one of those players that's positively impacted by this new regime and possibly a new head coach in the future. Uh, we've heard rumblings that he might not want to be here next year. Um, might even request a trade. Is that something that you feel like from talking to him that he will do or would do, go to the front office and request a move like that? Or do you think he's going to take a step back and look at all the moves that are being made and say, you know what, let me give it one more good shot and see if I can make it stick here? Yeah. I just looking at it, really, he's not in a. I mean, he can request his development. I mean, Laurie's seven seven one spacing, like five man, which makes no sense at all. The fact that they're literally beat writers in in like post game press conferences asking boiling about getting him easier things, putting him in better positions to succeed. And he's still preaching, you know, his offense this new offense, like, it made no sense to me uh, what, like, at all. It, it basically took Zach and Laurie having a private conversation, be like, hey, we can't keep doing I got to get you going, like, because, you know, I'm getting double teamed and I can't just have you, 
you know, sitting over there in the corner waiting for a kick out because Lori is way more talented than that. And I think uh, fans, fans in here Chicago get frustrated with you quick, yeah. no matter what the situation is. So if you're this, the franchise basically wants to be the number one guy, but if you have that level of talent and you playing lackadaisical or you're not basically doing anything out there, Chicago fans are going to turn on you quick. So I think this situation right here will give him an opportunity to sit back. Hopefully they'll restructure the offense at some point, depending on who's brought in or if Jim is brought in, because like that guy should be more pivotal. There's no, there's no reason why Kobe White should be more comfortable like in the offense than Lloyd Markinen. And Kobe White really doesn't like utilize the offense at all. Kobe White just basically is going out there and getting buckets on his own. But the fact that he's he looks way more comfortable out there than Laurie was serious. It's like a serious issue. Um, I mean, I'm not a Laurie guy. I think he's okay. Um, I think you could probably upgrade him. I think you can upgrade Kobe White. Um, it's a lot of pieces on that on that roster that that you can upgrade, but you know, again, you're you talking about Karnishevich still getting trolled by Kobe White's brother, BC. And that was ridiculous, bro. I didn't <laughs> like, when did this happen? You missed this before. I've been trying to. He wasn't even in, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 looking like yo, like I know ain't I know Kobe White ain't got no fans out here like naming them. You know, on no Twitter fans naming their last name White. So I looked, I'm like, oh man, this dude looks just like Kobe White. Oh man, I've been staying low off off of social media, but right. And then I looked, I'm like, oh, this is his brother. I was like, oh my god, fam, y'all really that lame like that in North Carolina? But um, yeah, man, like you know, I think I think I think marketing is safe, you know, just because he's a Euro. Um, and I think you know, Karnishevis is gonna like that. But you know, to that end, you gotta bring in a coach that's going to utilize them. You know, Lloyd Markinen took a bunch of steps back, and I know he was hurt or whatever like that, but his regression was like something I had never seen before. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like it was it was incredible. And, you know, I don't know if it's like a confidence issue is, you know, if he's on it like Miritich, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, you're saying he wants out. And, it's hard uh, to get to that point confidence-wise. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Him. He goes the same way. Like, once you're confident in the shot, it's it's over with. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it, like you could go to another team in the league and might not ever be the same. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, I think to that, that's that's a huge red flag. But, you know, I just I just think that roster, man, it just it just don't work. It just yeah, I was work, shocked. You know, I was I, shocked. Karnishevis gave uh, glowing reviews of the drafting over the last few years, based upon the roster. I mean, they have dropped the ball as far as player development. I agree with that. But I don't know. And what shocked me the most is that the vitriol, I understand Garpax has been connected for a long time, especially from a media standpoint. But the vitriol towards John Paxson, in my opinion, is just like, all right, I get it. First of all, baseline, this man won three titles here in this city for this organization, period. That right there gives him a lot more flexibility with fans or should and the media than Gar Foreman will ever have. That's number one. We, let's talk about the fact that Jerry Krause left this roster organization in a pretty bad place when he was let go. Like, he had done a poor job post-Michael Jordan in the MJ era. 
John Paxson drafted Luau Dang, Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, signed Nocioni, and in my opinion, I mean, the Ben Wallace signing wasn't the greatest. Kobe Bryant has even said that he was basically a whisker away from coming to the Bulls because of John Paxson. So, I mean, you look at what he was able to do and build up to the point that once they got Derrick, they were able to really be contenders, and that was just, you know, luck via the uh, NBA lottery. I thought he did a good job in rebuilding the organization post-Jerry Krause and getting the players that can be a competitive team, like Ben Gordon, Kirk Heinrich, and Luau Dang. Now, moving forward from that, the transition from him taking a step back, going to guard Foreman, and moves that were made, especially once Derrick got hurt, and going on to Jimmy Butler and getting rid of him. And I guess ultimately uh, it's being reported that what made Michael Reinsdorf and Jerry Reinsdorf really upset with Gar Foreman is the way he treated Luau Dang when they had his uh, uh, his night. Was that this past season, right, B, uh, C4? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess in the, in the bowels of the United Center, he was uh, – somewhat dismissive and disrespectful to Luau Dang. I mean, that coming off of the way they treated him when he got sick and the, the way the Bulls physicians uh, misdiagnosed him and he almost died and all of that, to be dismissive of this man, uh, I think was incredibly immature and just flat out stupid. If I mean, for lack of a better word, it was just stupid to do that if you're – the face of the manager. executive branch of the team. Like, you're the general manager. You're supposed to be the manager. one kissing babies, shaking hands, making everybody feel good. Listen, man, they traded, they traded Lou all day at midnight. Yeah. Like, on, like, what was it, New Year's Eve, or, like, right around Christmas or something like that. The man uh-huh. mama was in town. His whole family was in town. Press release come out, like, 12, 30, 1 o'clock in the morning. You know, middle of the night, he going to Cleveland. His mama crying like, yo, did you do something wrong? And this, that, and the third. Like, yeah. I mean, that was beef there anyway. You know that already. Like, like, how you give somebody a spinal tap in the middle of the playoffs, man? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it goes back just to show just how things had just deteriorated with just their, like, overall, like, perception around the league. I mean, you look at – just the lat those guys that you named, like you look at how they've been traded away or how they've, you know, been done. You know, you go back to the Derek situation of leaking, like, hey, you know, doctors cleared him to play. It's all on that guy. So go talk to him. Right. Like no other organization does that to like their star players or the guys they view as like these are our guys. Like nobody left here really on good terms. You go to Derek, you go to Joe, you go to Ben Gordon, you go to Shit, let me think. Uh, you can go to Jimmy Butler. You look at that situation. Like, nobody left here on good terms. Like, everybody left with, like, some sort of animosity and things, like, weren't never really comfortable when they would come back. Right. You know, so I just think also, like, removing Paxson and putting them in the senior advisor roles, it kind of removes that, like, link to those championships team because I think so much of this organization and rightfully so is tied towards looking back all the time. We're constantly looking back at the Bulls. We're looking back at all the three titles, uh, the six titles, the two three peaks. 
it's time to move forward from we keep you are not going to get forward constantly looking back like there's not going to be another savior like michael jordan walking through that door that is drafted so like now all of all the little campaigns that they run let's start looking forward now because you know constantly looking back is only going to build more frustration because you're never going to capture the lightning in the bottle that you had you know so i think it's, it's, it's been time, but now I think the time is right now to like, let's just start looking forward as opposed to constantly looking back and like having these, you know, there were good memories, but there's also so much bad and bad taste that's been left in like most of the NBA circles mouth with just how guys were treated, how business was done, the things that goes on, the things that went on behind closed doors, the way they yeah. treated coaches that came in here. So it's just time for like just a new regime and, new way of thinking and a new way of doing business. Yeah, let's look forward as we get ready to close out, man. What's the bigger hire, in your opinion? Is it the next head coach or whomever they choose to be the general manager? Oh, most definitely the head coach. Most definitely. I mean, you know, the GM, that's that's like really, you know, that's, that's back office stuff, man. Like, you know, you, know, you, you want to have a good GM. But I mean that that's not the guy like that's gonna make things happen like on the floor. And you know, and, and we already talked about it, you know, the the biggest thing that they the biggest problem that they have is player development. So you definitely wanna get a guy who is either a very good motivator who can hire a staff full of player development guys, or you know, get a guy who is, you know, skilled at player development and you know, and round his staff out as needed, you know, off offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, stuff like that. Um, but I think I think the coach is really and truly gonna set the stage for like the next four or five years because whoever you put in there, now you're talking about free agency. You know what I'm saying? Now you're talking about guys looking at the Bulls and giving them a serious look to see if they might want to go there. So, I mean, I definitely think the person on the sidelines, the coach, is way more important than the GM. Uh, I mean, just knowing this organization, Guy Foreman was there for 22 years. GM for me because oh, so much the last couple of years the talk has been about building a culture like that obviously starts at the top I mean you look at the great organizations in the league how well run they are you go to OKC you go to San Antonio Miami like those those are like organizations that have everything solidified at the top and you normally see organizations that you know kind of have things like out of flux in the organization that translates to the product that's being uh, put on the floor. So I think bringing in uh, this guy, JJ, I'm a little bit familiar with him, but I just definitely want to uh, see what his philosophies are. The coaching hired is very important as you, as BC did intimate, just because you're going to, when you do have these conversations with free agents now, they got to be able to look that coach in the eye and trust him and actually believe in what he's selling. So that's going to be important. But I think, just with the way things have gone in this organizations for the last, I'll say, 10, 10 years. I think that GM getting that solidified and bringing in somebody that has, like, some very high credentials is so important just to, like, actually help, like, establish, you know, a true Bulls culture because the last four or five years, I mean, the Hoiberg tenure, the Boylan tenure, there, there really hasn't been any culture. It's kind of been dysfunctional. So uh, I'm just excited to – actually see what this new GM brings in that like I said it's just very good to have like positive energy just around Bulls basketball again because you know New York has Broadway 
L.A. has Hollywood. Chicago is a basketball city. So, I mean, basketball is dead here. Like, things really aren't going too well. So I'm just glad to have good energy around the Bulls again. BC. My bad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree with Chris, man. Like, you know, basketball – I mean, Chicago is a basketball town. And, you know, I definitely don't disagree with the GM because I think the GM is the one that sets the culture, you know, from the top down. Um, you know, but, again, you know, it's it's really going to be like a tandem thing. Like, you're going to have to have the coach and the GM. Like, it, those, like you cannot miss on that. Like, you can't miss on that because you're going to set yourself back more years, you know, and you're already trying to do like a whole facelift of this organization. So they can't, they, they, they can't miss on that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it goes back to uh, my analogy of the script and who's going to be directing in order to make this, this script come alive and be uh, a grand feature presentation that we all think it could be. Um, is it going to be our tours, Karnishavis ultimately deciding uh, not only who the general manager is, but also having the last say in who the head coach is. You know, is he going to take uh, the word or the advice of everyone that works under him and then say, okay, I rock with you guys and whatever you think? Or is he going to be the one to say, you know what, I hear what you're saying, but this is the direction I think we should go. Those are the things, and that's the energy I'm waiting to see, you know, how it's going to play out under his uh, leadership here with the Chicago Bulls. So once again, you can go follow us, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, any other platform you can download, previous podcasts, recording the sources with myself, SD2Mics, my man to my left at uh, B underscore crawl, number four and D, and at Chris Case and SC for Dunk as well. Uh, both you guys, I know WJ, uh, WJTV, AM producer, that's what you've been doing, BC. And uh, C4, you've been putting out some really good content over the last month or so, man, touching the things that you've been doing. Oh, yeah, just uh, doing stuff with Forbes now and talking more so about the business um, side of things. I think the last thing I did was uh, basically sat down with uh, Thad Young and talked about, you know, his, uh, his company, um reform ventures and the work he's doing in investing the, the real estate stuff he's doing and basically just looking at um basically trying to help shift the narrative that you know when most of these guys retired that they're broken five years there's actually a lot of athletes now that's basically looking forward to retirement by basically getting a lot of business done now so it's been exciting a lot of guys are very interested to you know, showcase and talk about some of the things that they're doing away from the floor. So just another area to dive into. All right. BC, you got anything on the horizon other than uh, getting at the analytics people all over Twitter and uh, being trolled by players, <laughs> families of players? How did, how did you get that? What started it? I just want to. What I don't started? know. Literally, I don't BC, know, it, BC is there. There's, no, there's no basketball. There's nothing <laughs> going on. Trail and, uh, and Cam. We was talking about. We was talking about um, the new GM, mm -hmm. and I think I might have just said something about like upgrading Kobe White or something like that. And the dude just popped in. I'm like, what you doing? Like, come on, man. But then I heard, you know, I, I talked to uh, Eugene. He's like, you know, Eugene tried to get at him one time because 
Geno got mad that when OKC came back from 20, um, Kobe White and uh, Wendell Carter Jr. went to Chris, uh, a picture with Chris Paul. And Geno didn't like that. He was like, man, y'all can say that for after the locker room. Like, you ain't got to do that on the court. Right. And uh, he had something to say about that. So, I mean, you know, he definitely under the, you know, protect little bro act. But, man, I'm from Chicago. Like, you don't do that, man. Your brother is in the league, not you. And he ain't right. worried about what I'm saying at all. So, <laughs> what you talking about, man? Stop it. <laughs> man, as I said before, man, go check out the previous <laughs> podcast, man. We'll get back with, man, we're going to do something every time. We're going to try and put out more content this week, man, really dig deep into uh, whatever's going on. And before we go, man, we do want to send out well wishes, blessings, health, and prayers to everyone, especially first responders and everyone that is dealing with the COVID-19 virus and the coronavirus. Uh, We speak nothing but health and prosperity to you and the rest of your families, man. And hopefully we all come out of this on the other end. Um, moving forward in our lives and uh, being able to talk and speak with one another uh, again. And uh, our hearts go out to uh, those yeah, no, who have no. lost loved ones. Carl Anthony Towns uh, lost his mother earlier today. Yes. So our heart and prayers go out to that family and him. And uh, that's hard for a young man uh, to lose your mother, man. That's mm-hmm. uh, BC. I know that's something I, we, we talk about often, man. I know it's something that you still, deal with and uh something that you just never get over it's something you never get over man so my heart goes out to the young man definitely yeah man and i actually got the opportunity to meet um you know the towns last year like during the super bowl it was like a entire weekend where offended surround them and a couple other like people around sports but man like everything that you know you've read about you know, Carl's mom is absolutely true. I mean, just like a firecracker of a personality, like full of laugh, full of love. And you can tell she's the backbone of that fa- that family. Like there really wasn't any moment where like she wasn't, you know, texting, texting her son or talking about her son. So I can like I can't even imagine what, you know, him, his pops, you know, and the family are going through right now because yeah. she was basically like the, the backbone of that family. So, you know, just prayers up for them, man. You know, I think just the good thing about the NBA is it is like a brotherhood. So you've seen Joel and B like tweet out at him, and I'm pretty sure a lot of players and team executives are reaching out to pay their condolences, man. But it's just tough, and it just reinforces that you know this thing is serious, and you know it can touch anybody. So I think it just reinforces everybody to take it more seriously. You know. Yeah abide by the ordinance stay at home you know only go out if you need to and you know basically stay safe and you know cherish your loved ones even more absolutely hey man as i said before man we'll talk to you guys the rest of this week man more content on this bull situation moving forward and a big night for chicago coming up sunday night on espn huge night it hits different for us I know the rest of the country is excited about watching oh, yeah. this 10-part documentary, The Last Dance with Chicago Bulls and that dynasty, yes. how it ended, it, how it ended. but it hits different for, from us. I, I can't even put it into words what it means to us. And, but no, you can't. You can't put it into words what it means to us, but we want to move on from it. Like, we want to watch this 
and move on because I do not want the Chicago Bulls to end up like the Chicago Bears where we're pointing back to 85 and it's 2020. Like, I'm not trying to have that happen, man. Chicago is too much of a basketball town. So let's go. Let's run with the Bulls, man. Let's get this thing done. Uh, For C4 Dunk, Chris Kaysen, and for B underscore Crawford, D. Brian Crawford, we bid you adieu. Three dudes who love the game, from the game, talking the game. We're out.